0: Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of September 10th, 2020, including... Xbox Series S got leaked all over the place and officially revealed and it's affordable and it's really great and the internet still hates it anyway because humanity is just a giant cyst that must be eradicated from this awful world and more... be honest I feel so relieved to finally have all this information finally on the table about the prices and the names of the consoles and the existence of them and the release dates and all these things so above all it's just a really good feeling to no longer have to wonder about these most basic questions like when is the console coming out will you acknowledge that it exists even though everyone knows about it so it's really exciting so we definitely have some obviously very big news to get to this week but we're not going to just jump in talk about xbox that would be that would be a little too off-brand for this show. Of course, as as always, we have to talk about some questions, comments, and, and things like that from the audience, which uh, all come from over on the... YouTube channel. You can go to Second Best Gaming and and look for the show Xbox on. That's where you'll find us on YouTube. If you so choose to listen to it on the, in that in that way, regardless of how you listen to it, actually this is just this is just how we comment on the show. So if you if you want to leave a comment, want to tell me about your thoughts on the Xbox Series S, just uh, go ahead and head over to the YouTube page and we'll do so. But yeah, like we start every show, we'll we'll, we'll jump into some comments and shout-outs and concerns and whatnot from the audience. Our first one comes from none other than Mr. Lethal Migraine, who says. Xbox Series S over $300 won't sell. Now, this was commented right before, or just a few days before, news broke about the Xbox Series S. So, obviously, the reason why I put this here was not to just immediately date this show, but or or Lethal Migraine's comment, but to say, I think I owe Lethal Migraine an apology because I believe I said the Series S won't be under $400, and then it was $300, and I was dead wrong. I, I could be wrong about that, but I, th- I think I said that on a recent episode, so... Just want to put that out there. Yes, Lethal Migraine, you're right. Technically, you made this comment before we knew anything about the box. And uh, there you go. There you. There are your brownie points. I hope you're happy. Our next comment here comes from LJ Plays, who says, If you're ever coming to the UK, then highly recommend coming down to Southwest England for some Cornish pasty. They're amazing. My question this week is, if you could have any PlayStation-exclusive game to play on Xbox, what would it be and why? Any PlayStation-exclusive um, Ratchet & Clank, for sure, easily. Ratchet & Clank's my favorite PlayStation or Sony exclusive. Insomniac's one of my favorite developers of all time. Uh, I'm extremely jealous that, you know, even though they've had a pretty close relationship, for the majority of Insomniac's existence, I'm pretty saddened or or a or little, little uh, sideways face about the whole fact that Sony now owns Insomniac, so there's no chance of them ever getting to play around with Microsoft like they did at the beginning of the Xbox One generation and make something like a Sunset Overdrive 2 for us. Yeah, just basically anything Insomniac makes is my favorite PlayStation thing, but Ratchet & Clank in particular, what a phenomenal franchise, and honestly, I know a lot of like Xbox fanboys are look at the new Ratchet & Clank as a, as a way to like shit on the PS5, but Let's be honest, guys. The new Ratchet & Clank game looks pretty damn good. Now, it does it look like it's reinventing the wheel? No. Does it look like the most next-gen looking thing in the whole world? No, it looks incredible. But I, I get some of the criticism from the Xbox community that's like that's, you know, you guys are talking about how we don't have games and you guys have games, but the game you had to show is Ratchet & Clank. It's like, whatever. Ratchet & Clank is not the uh, – it's no Red Dead Redemption 2. I'll say that much, but – that doesn't fucking matter to me to, to me it just matters if I if the game's fun to play and Ratchet and Clank is one of those like it's like the pinnacle of, of fun gameplay loops so Insomniac's always done a phenomenal job with that very very fun world with great writing it's very humorous it's very clever the characters are lovable the worlds are cool the weapons are super interesting and fun and wacky and the game is just crazy it's a Great combination of third-person shooting with really wacky guns, platforming, really cool world traversal, and uh, just really fun characters. So, I would love, love, love a Ratchet and Clank game on the Xbox. Obviously, that's like saying I would love a Halo game on the PlayStation. But uh, yeah, if I if I could steal something from PlayStation, that would be it. Yeah, another another high up there pick would be MLB the Show. But now I don't have to I don't have to waste my answer on that game because we know that MLB the Show is coming to Xbox starting next year presumably so that's pretty exciting that that game's going multi-platform due to some um, arm twisting from the MLB with Sony so that's pretty cool but yeah, there, there are tons of great PlayStation games that I would love to play on Xbox if I could. Hey, listen, if I could play every PlayStation game on Xbox, I wouldn't buy a PlayStation. I only buy a PlayStation to play their exclusive games, and that's it. So it looks like maybe one day in the future, since Sony's putting a lot of their games on PC now, maybe one day I won't even have to buy a PlayStation. Maybe I'll just be able to play my PlayStation games on PC and just own an Xbox and a PC. So I, I would rather be a PC nerd like some of you guys than, than be a, a PlayStation gaming. I just... This is just what I have to do if I want to play Spider-Man and God of War, so sue me. Viking of the North comes in with our next comment says, "Yes, Xbox finally became weebish. Also, Japan loves Fantasy Star Online, so that's good. That's a good market for that." So that that's an interesting point about, you know, Fantasy Star in in the Japanese market loving that because I don't know if that's why I don't think that's why Fantasy Star came to Xbox. I don't think it was in an effort to make Fantasy Star appeal to Japanese gamers because that game's been out in Japan for a long time, I think Japanese gamers were already playing it on PC, so my guess is that it was an attempt to get Western gamers who like Japanese games to think of Xbox as a potentially, like, Japanese-friendly console, but yes, I know, I know Fantasy Star is big in Japan, I wish it were bigger here, because it's one of the weeby things I like, probably just because it has the Sega brand slapped on it, but I'm a simple man like that. I I see a brand I identify with and I blindly follow it to the ends of the earth. And then your other comment here, Viking of the North, is that you say, Jesse, I'm facing identity theft. Did you leak my social? I wasn't your girlfriend, man. I don't know, Viking of the North. I'm not going to say whether or not I did or didn't leak your social security number. I'm sorry if your information got leaked. I'm sorry if you got hacked, as Hollywood likes to say. They like to call everything a hack. If someone... If you if you put two pieces of bread in the toaster and then come back after like going to the bathroom to check your hair and your younger brother took your pieces of toast, I think Hollywood or BuzzFeed or something would call that a, a hack, a breakfast hack. Seven ways to hack your breakfast: steal someone else's toast. So I hate I hate the word hacking unless of course you're using the word hack to refer to like you know, like swinging, swinging an object at something, like like wailing on something, like you're hacking away. You have an axe and you're hacking away at the tree. You know, that that's that's a, a form of the word hack I really do enjoy, but no, I didn't take your 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 information and if you really are facing identity theft, I, I am actually deeply sorry. And I promise it's all coincidental I have a while i do have access to all your personal information i uh, i have not i'm as secure as google i promise you i'm not selling all your information to the chinese government for money our next comment here comes from python coder 255 who says, first-time commenter on the show. Think it's awesome. A few months ago, I found what looked like screenshots for Halo Infinite's multiplayer, but I was skeptical of their legitimacy. After seeing the campaign demo, it looks like these could have been from a real multiplayer build as the model for the assault rifle looks similar to the one in the demo, but different from the one used in Reach. Here are the images, and then you insert a leak. I, I'm only reading this here because I was very skeptical about clicking on these links from like a first-time commenter. I'm like, oh, God. Who is this? Is this someone who's just trying to fucking really, really mess with me? Should I click on these pictures? And I did. And, uh, they, no, they seem... Well, first of all, you weren't fucking with me. Second of all, these these pictures look legit. It probably is from some internal multiplayer uh, testing. And thirdly, I don't I don't really know what to make of it. The pictures are so blurry and shitty that it's, it's not... There's not really much we can detract from it, but it looks like Halo multiplayer. I assume Halo Infinite will have multiplayer... But more importantly, thank you for commenting. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. If you are out there and you're listening to this show and you're interested in these leaked pictures, go over to the comment section and you can look at these leaked... You can look at Python Coder's comment and click on the links to see these uh, leaked Halo Infinite multiplayer screenshots. They're probably real. I don't know. I don't really get excited over leaks. For the most part, leaks kind of suck. So I don't know. I don't like to speculate. We just got over speculating forever about next gen Xbox hardware. The last thing I want to do is speculate over some Halo Infinite leaks. I'll just uh I'll just wait until three four three has more to say. Josiah DeRosa, my brother, comes in for the sec- for the next comment and says, that Halo news is actually very concerning I'm still pretty damn sure that they were in the polishing phase of the game, though. My guess is that they were responding to some other element of feedback and making changes based on it. My guess is the art direction. They may have brought in an early franchise veteran to get his input on how to best change the art style. I saw a lot of people complaining about the rigidness of the world and a lot of what was aesthetic choice. That perfectly mimicked what Bungie did and what they all claimed to want. Now, you are, of course, referring to Joseph Statton, uh coming back to uh 343 to work on Halo Infinite which uh, I agree I think it's I think it's kind of a concerning thing that they're like they were in the home stretch this game was supposedly coming out in November and then they're like hey actually we're delaying it and and we're also bringing on this guy who works on like the story and the lore of this uh, of this universe to come and help us polish it up I'm like what so yeah maybe he is just there for kind of like they're like hey we need to overhaul some of the artistic and graphical style of the game we want to make sure the environment is you know environments tell story we want to make sure that you know someone with your pedigree and your expertise can kind of have their hand on helping us overhaul this art style so that we can help make it look fresh and sexy and graphically powerful while also making it feel authentically like halo this is a this is a tough spot for 343 to be in because this is the perfect example of why I say just don't fucking listen to, to the audience. Don't give them what they want. Just do your thing. Follow your creative vision and fuck everyone else. Because Halo 4 and 5 take the Halo art style and make it so dynamic and so intricate and make the graphics so incredibly impressive. You know, that's what Halo 4 and 5 brought to the franchise visually was amazing graphics, really intricate art design and, and art direction. And then everyone bitched about how it didn't look like Halo. And then for Halo Infinite, they're like, okay, well, here's the Halo you like. And it's, like, the more basic and kind of flat look of, like, the original Halo. And everyone's like, wow, the game looks like shit. So it's like, I'm not trying to, like, conflate graphics with art design and art direction. But, like, there is, if you look at the Venn diagram, there is an overlap here. And it does seem like people were bitching about 343 for taking liberties with the Halo franchise and kind of evolving it and making it their own. And now they're shitting on them for getting away from that. So I don't know what you fucking want. I think the only solution would be to find e- each and every uh, quote-unquote Halo fan out there and just uh, just chop off their heads if they say anything negative about the franchise. Let's just, uh, in fact, let's just do that with all Star Wars fans, just period. And then and then we'll do it with Halo fans as well, because I, I fucking hate you all. Also, I didn't want to bring this comment to light because I sent my brother an article a few days ago that I asked him to read. I thought it was a very interesting article that you might be interested in, and uh, you did not read it, so I, I wanted to punish you by not reading your comment, but here we are anyway. Our next comment comes from Keisha Franks, uh, and judging by this this uh, this profile picture, it is a, a nude woman, and it says, Oh yeah, do you love me? And there's a bunch of kissy face and heart emojis. Keisha Franks, do I love you? I don't, e- I don't even know you. But welcome to the show. I I don't think you're a bot. I think you're real. I'm sure there are just a bunch of naked pretty women out there listening to my show naked all the time who want to just make kissy faces at their podcast feed and uh and they want to know if I love them and you you want to know what Keisha. I'm going to I'm going to drive you crazy by saying you tell me. I'm not even I'm just going to keep your mind guessing. You tell me. Our next comment here comes from Dead Captain James, who says, "Well, looks like your nanobots have turned on you, and they have turned into sex bot, and will now spam your comment section." And referring to, you couldn't possibly be referring to Miss Keisha Franks, our new and, and most loyal Xbox on fan, could you? Uh, you say, I kind of wish Xbox leadership would stop talking so as much as they do now. It's almost like they put their foots in their mouth, and people misinterpret and use it against them. I think that's exactly what happens, Dead Captain James. It's 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 not that they lie; it's that they they hype up something they had to say and they talk about it and they talk about it and they shove it in everyone's face so much and then gamers take it as like oh my god that means tomorrow xbox is going to have a press conference where the new xbox series x is going to be revealed to be 278 dollars and it's going to be more powerful than than the most powerful pc uh, gaming it'll be more powerful than computers at nasa and it will have enough power to provide energy to moderately populated villages in in developing nations and it will include 12 new first-party games, uh, three new studio acquisitions, and it will also be able to create orange creamsicles if you hit the disc eject button uh, in place of having a dish tray. And I just, I don't know, like, what people want. I think, I think it is definitely a little bit of both, where Xbox talks too much and overhypes things, and then audience members, you know, people being people, overanalyze and overhype shit way too much and expect, you know very unrealistic things to happen in very unrealistic amounts of time with very unrealistic uh, amounts of resources. So it's just a, uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you can't trust your audience to temper their expectations. So why would you, why would you egg them on? Why would you set the precedent that, or, or tease them with something and then let their minds run wild. Just, just stop with that. Okay. And, and, and you know, the tease, the classic, like we have something cool to show you, kind of thing is like something you, you tell the audience up front and you make sure there's a really short window between when you decide to tease something and when you decide to reveal it don't be like we have something exciting to tell you and then leave people with like 10 months of anticipation because the longer between like you teasing something and you confirming something or providing specific details the more time you're giving the the market and the audience to just kind of let their imaginations run wild and and create even more unrealistic expectations. So Microsoft, I guess what I'm saying is, even though this is a company led by some of the world's most brilliant people, most brilliant, experienced, and visionary people in the world, I guess what I'm trying to say is, it sounds like you guys could use my help. So just feel free to employ me uh, so that I can make lots of money and work for a company I like and work for a brand I really like. And just give me lots and lots of money, and in exchange, I will deprive your fans of of the information they so desperately seek. And I think it will be a win-win for everyone. So go ahead and reach out to me. I will not give you my resume, but I think this I think this show kind of serves as its its own resume. Don't you agree? Uh, Our next comment here, as we sort of start wrapping up, we've got Count Scottylla coming back. Uh, recent first-time commenter who says, I fully agree with pretty much everything you said today. I should stop reading your comment right there. That's, that's a beautiful comment. But you continue say, Microsoft's marketing knows how to hype for events that shouldn't even be mentioned. It's a letdown every time. As for Joseph Staten, I think he's there to start working on DLC. Halo has that 10-year plan and they're going to need a lot of DLC content, keep it thriving for a long time. I'm guessing he's providing a little direction Uh, To perfect the current story, and and mostly assisting with the DLC story, probably wishful thinking on my part. I guess that's a possibility, but keep in mind, Joseph's been—he's been with Microsoft pretty much this whole time since he left Bungie like over half a decade ago. So he's been bouncing around project for project. I don't think his job here is to stick with 343 permanently. I think his—I think this is a long-term project for him, and by long-term, I mean longer than the usual like one to two year bouncing from here to there kind of thing so I don't I don't think this makes him a permanent part of the Halo franchise again I think this is a this is for here and now so I don't know how long you know he's going to be around to help with this roadmap for DLC or whatever I mean that's not a bad suggestion or, or bad Idea that's there's probably some truth to that as well. I, I really see this as them. I, I don't even think they're really thinking too much about DLC. I'm sure they have some general ideas. There's you know the creatives always have ideas for things they'd like to do, but I, I think right now what's going on is it's it's all hands on deck with the with the day one shipped package of of Halo Infinite. So I don't know. It's it, it is concerning to me that you bring someone like this in so late in a game's development because. The, the kinds of things Joseph's known for working on, the world building, the environment, uh, the story, the the writing and everything. These are things that you get out of the way so much earlier in a, in a games project. So I don't know. I just don't know what to make of it. But then again, it may something to help. If this, if this makes you really apprehensive or nervous, maybe this will make you feel better. Game developers always talk about how game development is a fucking nightmare and how oftentimes the best games out there are absolute messes of projects up until the final weeks of development and that's when you start to see things come together i really wish i could remember which developer or, or studio head or whoever it was said this i heard this from like an interview years and years ago from like an ign interview from maybe like seven years ago but there was some someone some notable figure in the games industry whoever i mean as ambiguous as that is said something to the effect of like how basically every game he he's worked on is just like a big shit show And you have all these ideas and you have all these different parts that don't mesh well together. And then when you get in the final phases of development, usually the last few weeks or months, it's basically just this whole like, well, let's string it all together, polish it up and see if the game, you know, see if the project works. And I think and I think that's probably indicative of what a lot of game development is like. And I think that's probably why you get so many games like you think about like a Call of Duty or something that's pretty safe where it's like, let's just make the same thing over and over again. that's because. Game development's hard, especially when you're trying to make a AAA, big, you know, next-gen, story-driven, best graphics ever, wide-open world, exploratory, collect-a-thon, whatever it is that games are trying to be these days, because the more complex you make the project, it's just the more bullshit, and that might sound obvious, but, like, when you really think about it, it's like, I mean, this is one of the things I love so much about gaming, is it's, it's not like a movie or a book, you know, a book is like, you have a writer or a couple writers and some editors and that's, there aren't too many hands on the project, right? And, and, and most people come from similar disciplines or tangentially related disciplines when they work on that project or a movie where it's like, obviously it's a lot more, It requires a lot more different disciplines than like a book where you have, you know, you have actors, you have writers, you have producers, you have special effects artists, you have all these different kinds of disciplines come together. But there is still a lot more commonality with that. But then you look at something like video games and it's just a fucking clusterfuck of people where you have producers, you have writers, you have actors, you have artists, you have you have programmers, you have level designers, you have all these people that come from all different walks uh, or all different disciplines and in different kinds of industries and they come together and they, and they're supposed to make this one cohesive story or this one cohesive product. And and when you take, you know, all the parts separately, it's just a bunch of unrelated disciplines. And then you're supposed to kind of sew them all up nice and neatly and make something like a red dead redemption to somehow happen. And it's just fucking crazy because, the, the kinds of hands I, I don't know this is this is one of the things I love about video games but one of the things I just don't get which is like how you mix so many different things together to create one unified vision and so I tried I've always tried to be mind, mindful of this since you know since I heard whatever interview it was that I don't recall but ever since I, I first heard that I've tried to be mindful of that that's that's probably somewhat of how games are across the board It's just, it's just this kind of clusterfuck of like is this working? Are we on track? to get this thing out the door. Do we need to revisit this? Does this look good enough? Does this play well enough? All these things were great in their isolated kind of testing, in their kind of testing chambers or whatever. Like when we, when we look at these things in isolated conditions, everything's great. But when we put it all together, does this work cohesively? And it's, it's impossible to tell. It's just such a crazy, impossible task. So I don't know. There's a million ways in which this I only I only say all this to say there's a million ways in which Joseph here can be implemented into the studio and we can just sit here around guessing all day on what he's going to do. But I'm just going to try to remain optimistic and say, well, hey. He's, he's a, he's a bungee veteran. He's a halo veteran. I'm just glad to have him back in the fold contributing to this great franchise again. So your guess is as good as mine as, as to what he's doing specifically. Lethal migraine. Let's get back to you. You say at this point, I don't think I'll buy a series X at launch anymore. I had it planned to buy two. I'm sick and tired of how Microsoft are being assholes to gamers like this. Furthermore, they still haven't given anyone a legitimate reason to buy one. Game Pass is great, but I don't need a Series X for that. Instead, I will dump my money into either an RTX 3080 or an AMD Big Navi, whichever is better bang for the buck. So many games to play on PC and at much, much higher frame rates and fidelity. Lethal Migraine, I know you don't mean this. I know you're only saying this because NVIDIA paid you to say this, so I'm not hurt that you said it, but just know that there's a lot of listeners that might take umbrage with these comments. Maybe you should be a little more transparent about your sponsored comments in uh, on my podcast. I also say that, for the life of me, I don't understand why anyone wants, now this one I know is coming from the heart. For the life of me, I don't understand why anyone wastes one cent on Nintendo. Nintendo gave up on gamers after N64, and that's when I gave up on them too. Nintendo just sells you the same mediocre six games over and over again. It's all middleware and shovelware all the time. In fact, mobile phones play games better than Nintendo does. Gamers in general irritate the shit out of me. Nintendo should have died two decades ago. The gamers have such a low standard that they're willing to settle for even less. Well, Lethal Migraine, while while I don't agree with you on this, because I think Nintendo makes genuinely great games, uh, I do at least... (laughs) relate to your frustration with Nintendo. As even this past week, Nintendo frustrated the hell out of me, or last week, whenever it was, when they released that new, uh, the news of the new Super Mario 3D collection, which I was super hyped about, and then they're immediately like, big middle finger at everyone, the game's only available for six months, and then everyone was like, yeah, normally we would get bitchy about this, but we're not gonna make a big deal out of this, because it's Nintendo, we're just gonna give them a pass for literally everything. I just, I just don't even understand Nintendo, they can get away with murder, and, you know, as my brother put it, it obviously it's because they have everyone's, you know, childhood by the balls. I get that. But uh I, I will concur with you that Nintendo is frustrating and infuriating because they're very anti-consumer. They're the polar opposite of Microsoft in that regard. They are mind-numbingly stupid sometimes. They get away with releasing a lot of like just good enough games or mediocre games and then still getting a lot of praise because it's Nintendo. I, I used to be such a big Nintendo fanboy, and they've just they just worn me the fuck down. But Man, if there's one thing you can't say about Nintendo, it's that they make overall, they just make shit games. They, When a Nintendo game's great, it's fucking great, you know? This is my Xbox podcast where I talk about all the things I love about Xbox. My favorite game of all time is Super Mario Galaxy. It's just the best game ever made. And, you know, Mario, as as overrated as it may seem just because the brand and the character is so popular, there's, there's a reason why Mario's so big. It's because... Mario games are just absolutely phenomenal. Like a main entry 2D or 3D Mario game is, there's absolutely nothing like it. They're just phenomenal games. I've yet to play like a bad mainline Mario game. I think Mario 64 doesn't age nearly as well as people say it does, but you know, that game is still, it still holds up well enough. I think Nintendo's quality speaks for itself and it's kind of undeniable because let's be honest, I think most of the games industry recognizes at least on some level, whether it's you know public or to themselves, that Nintendo does suck. They keep putting out underpowered hardware. They keep being the least friendly when it comes to online infrastructure. They keep like neglecting franchises we want to come back and harping on the same six properties like you mentioned. But the reason why we can't write Nintendo off altogether is because... At the end of the day, they do come around with certain games. Like I personally am not a fan of the Switch generation; it's the most disappointed I've ever been with the Nintendo. I don't care about the Switch generation pretty much at all. I don't know Nintendo. Nintendo does have quality with their games. I, I agree. Sometimes their games are overrated or get a little bit of a bump when they don't deserve it. But I'm I'm not going to lie here and say that I don't love Nintendo. I still I still have a very big fondness for Nintendo. And when they come around with a with a great game, I get excited. Although I haven't seen much of that in recent years. Still still really love Splatoon. That's of all the newish Nintendo stuff, that's that's kind of my favorite. Splatoon's a really good franchise. And we will wrap up with a comment from it seems like audience favorite, Tanali Maya, who likes to write these uh, these novellas. And I guess we will read their latest entry. Buckle up, guys, it goes as, as follows. I grew up in South Central Los Angeles during the height of the infamous Crips vs. Blood Street Gang War. I already love where this is going. When I was in high school, my street block was featured on the front page of Los, the Los Angeles Times uh, as the, quote, per capita homicide epicenter of the nation. Explaining my upbringing to people usually begins with, quote, graffiti-marred buildings provided the backdrop for which felt like a virtual prison yard, end quote. I can already feel Josiah DeRosa turning out, yeah? And what's your point, old man? As he annoyingly gnaws away at, at a Twizzler or whatever. I don't, I don't fucking understand you. Fair enough, young buck. My point is that when one grows up in such a marginalized ecosystem, there isn't much to be proud of. There really isn't a sense of community. But guess what? I also grew up as a Lakers fan during the team's Showtime championship runs. So watching Magic Johnson smile at a crowd during multiple victory parades actually filled me with tears of joy and great scent, and a great sense of Angelino pride. It also helped me connect with, gang, with the gang leaders, known murderers, drug dealers, and crackheads who were my classmates. Josiah is now saying snooze fest Jesus H, Old Man Rivers, so so it's not always easy being a member of a subjugated and often neglected group. You feel invisible. As such, it's no Cakewalk being an Xbox fanboy. PlayStation seemingly gets all the love. As the market leader, Sony gets to dictate uh, its own terms and draw up its own rules. While the world stares, slack-jawed at its greatness akin to the prehistoric clan gazing at a monolith in a Kubrick uh, film, read a book, Josiah. There are a lot of L's in the books for Xbox fans. Halo Infinite's delay, Apple blocking xCloud are just the latest in a series of lumps and bruises that the the platform's fan base must suffer. Turning in each week to Xbox On, a podcast hosted by one man about one console, the Xbox One. For me, much like watching Magic Johnson wave his arms on the steps of LA's City Hall (laughs) as hundreds of thousands of fans in attendance wave in unison with him is saying, yo, you got some low standards, boomer. Yeah, whatever. I grew up poor, okay? (laughs) Hear me out. Whether he's in the midst of some euphoric episode about tacos or more than likely in the middle of some frustrated rant about the lack of information from Microsoft on a price point, Jesse DeRosa provides a big W for us in the Xbox community. He's a joy to listen to. He voices our concerns, but also gives us food for thought with his own unique perspectives. Here's an example of what I meant by that. I personally happen to think that Jeff Keeley is the biggest douchebag in gaming. In fact, if I were ever to run into that dude, I'd, I'd go Robert Pattinson on him like in the Batman trailer. Did you get that reference, Josiah? Try to keep up. But as always, Jesse said something that enlightened me. He essentially said that Jeff is a human being with personal preferences and that each one of us would probably show some bias if we were in his position if were we in his position, that's pretty deep. Thank you, Jesse. (laughs) To this day, if anyone talks smack about magic around me, I back my boy up. (laughs) Jesse, I got your back too, man. You give us pride. You give us a sense of community. Well, Tanali, I don't even know what to say to that, but that's a, this is some very kind words. I, I greatly appreciate all, as always, your lengthy, your lengthy comments as they, um, as I can tell a lot of hard work and and thought goes into them. They're well-crafted, well-written and, uh, I don't know how I feel now. I don't know that you're exactly comparing me to like a, a Magic Johnson, but I definitely, I definitely don't deserve that kind of parallel. So I don't know how I feel about that. But, uh, but all, all joking aside, and obviously there's a little bit of snark and humor going on all throughout this whole thing. I uh, I really do like you kind of getting to the heart of something that I actually think genuinely is a real thing, which is is there is kind of like an underdog's feeling to Xbox which is a weird thing to say when obviously Xbox is an extension of Microsoft which is like you know borderline a, a monopolistic tech company that's that's like just that much closer to ruling the world one day but still there's something in all this grandeur of the video games industry, this absurdly profitable industry where people are making buku bucks left and right, and Xbox is, you know, Microsoft is among one of the biggest players in this industry. There is still something about the Xbox brand that feels kind of intimate and small and niche, and and there's that underdog feeling if you're an Xbox fan, where it's like, you get to, you if you're an Xbox fanboy, you get to deal with being the guy who goes to work, and your coworker says, oh man, did you guys uh, play the new NBA 2K? It's so good. I like how all the players get the ability to play with the basketball. And you're like, oh yeah, NBA 2K. I actually love that game. I just bought it uh, the other day when it came out. And I too enjoy the the feature where the basketball players get to wear uh, gym shorts when they run around. And then they'll be like, oh no shit, you play NBA 2K? That's awesome. What, what platform? Are you on? You're, on, you're on PlayStation? Add me. And you're like, actually, I play it on Xbox. And then boom, immediately there's that kind of like, Oh, Xbox is stupid, and it's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I thought we were bonding over our shared love for this game, and they're like, hey, Xbox is dumb, you're dumb, Xbox is dumb, did you know Xbox has a dumb controller, did you know PlayStation's better because it starts with a P, did you know, did you know, like, and they just, and they do the thing where, like, and obviously I'm I'm joking a little bit, no fucking shit, but there really is that thing where it's like, we can't just bond over the fact that we both like a specific game or video games in general, or we have this thing in common. It does have to immediately become this like us versus them thing. I, I'm getting this a little bit now more that I'm, that I'm using my Android phone more than my iPhone too, where it's like people try to like, you know, I'm, I'm a white guy. I'll never know what it's like to be marginalized and outcast for my, for my race, from the perspective of like, you know, living in a country where I, where my race is the majority, but I think like the closest I'll probably ever get to that is every time someone looks at me at work and they're like, oh, you have an Android, you're a green bubble, get an iPhone. Oh, why can't you be like us? Oh, my God. The group chat's ruined because Jesse has an Android phone. It's like, it's like, God damn, dude, it's just my fucking smartphone. Like, you, you, you act like I came in here and like ruined your whole fucking way of life. Because I made the purchasing decision to buy a Razer phone over a fucking iPhone, like chill the fuck out. So there is a little bit of that with Xbox Two, where it just feels like there's this there's this big party that you're not invited to, where it's like everyone's everyone who's a real gamer is having fun because they have PlayStation, and all the Xbox kids are kind of like ostracized for it. And honestly, all, like all all joking and, and kind of tasteless metaphors aside, I, I would I would say that it's actually like. Kind of cool to be a part of that. I don't know. There's there's something to take pride in that. Like, not because you know. I mean, obviously, there is always that kind of like hipster aspect where it's like kind of cool to like the uncool thing. But but more so because there, you have a deeper bond with something that you love if you know it's unpopular. Because there must be a reason why you like it if it's the less popular thing. You know, we don't just like Xbox because it's less popular than PlayStation. We like Xbox because. There's something about Xbox that resonates with us, or we see some value in the brand that other people don't, or we have some connection to it that other people don't. And so clearly it's not, you know, it's not just an arbitrary thing. So I, in the sense that, you know, the the Xbox thing can be some something that the community can kind of gather together and rally behind and, and find unity in is... It is a real thing, and it is it is special. That's why this podcast exists. That's why this podcast isn't about gaming. You know, I talk about how I have a Switch. I have a PS4. I've played a game on my phone before, but this, this podcast isn't about PlayStation and iPhone gaming and PC gaming because that's not what I'm passionate about when it comes to gaming. That's not the brand that I identify with the most and take the most comfort and feel the most at home with. That's Xbox. So that's why this show is about Xbox is because I want to – I want to talk about the brand I love, and I want to, you know, attract listeners that are also equally as interested and passionate about this brand, and and that's what this. Uh, I don't know. That's that's fun to me. So honestly, that I thought about that before. Like, if if Xbox Series X and S come out and, like, capture the world by storm and we have another Xbox 360 on our hands where all of a sudden it seems like everyone's on Xbox again, that'll be great. I, you know, the, the better Xbox does, the better for all of us because then, you know, more of our friends will be on Xbox, we'll be able to play with more people on Xbox, we'll get less shit for gaming on Xbox, Microsoft will take, will invest more in the Xbox brand because, you know, it'll be a more profitable brand, although that's arguable, it seems like they invest a lot in it now that's struggling or that it's in second place or obvious second place. But the point I'm trying to make here is that uh there's always I don't know there's there's this kind of like like really stupid paranoid part of me that's like man if Xbox gets really popular again that'll kind of suck cuz it kind of I don't know it kind of takes some of the the uh the specialness away from why I love Xbox so much. And maybe that's maybe that's kind of a maybe that's kind of a bad thing to say or to admit. Maybe that means I'm just kind of an elitist asshole and I want to like preserve this thing for me in the in the elite few that I deem you know worthy enough to love this this thing. But it's I don't know. There's I I think this is part of why I resonate so much with the Xbox One generation is it, it was really special to me to buy this console, fall in love with this console, and really have some really great memories with the Xbox One, knowing that everywhere I go, people are just like, why the fuck didn't you buy a PS4? Because it just means that, you know, there's just that much more personal personal kind of connection with the with the device and uh, there is an arbitrary part of me that like that like thinks about that sometimes like oh man if if the new generation of xbox really takes off maybe a little bit of that of that specialness might feel like it rubbed away and of course that's like a personal problem but i only bring that up to say i i think this is a i think this is a really special thing that like xbox fans should take note of and and be proud of you know, it's, it should be a point of pride. You know, it's not about getting people who don't like Xbox to, to see why they're dumb and why Xbox is cool. It really is like a, how cool is that, that, you know, maybe not everyone likes Xbox, but we like it. We know why it's cool. We know why it's special to us. And it, it can be something arbitrary. It's not, it doesn't have to be because it's the most powerful console or because Game Pass is the best value or because Halo is the best exclusive game. It's really, it really doesn't have to be about any of those things. It really can just be as simple as like, when I was a kid, my older brother bought an Xbox and I remember playing Xbox with my older brother and I'll hang on to those memories for the rest of my life. And that's why this console's special to me. I grew up with it. It reminds me of my youth. It reminds me of my family. And that's the thing I'll always identify with. So it can be any number of reasons, but I really do think, you know, how silly of me to go on this, this rant. If Tenali is here, just basically trolling the fuck out of me, trying to elicit some kind of emotional response. But I really do think there is something special and you know there being this um, kind of really divisive gaming industry uh, or or gaming fandom where Xbox Xbox like us kind of are the outcast group, but uh, we we can kind of own that and take comfort and pride in that because uh, it's it's our brand, goddammit. it. Although technically it's Microsoft's brand and they could uh, they could fuck it up at the uh, drop of a dime or whatever where however the the phrase goes. So with all that said, guys, I think we should probably talk about all the big news. This is a big news week. Probably should have gone lighter on the comments because obviously we got some really cool stuff to talk about. But let's let's wrap it up with the comments there and we'll jump into the big stuff. But of course I can't tell I we can't just go right into the big stuff. That would be that might actually be good for listenership. But no, instead let's let's talk about what I've been playing. But before I can even tell you about that, I've got I gotta tell you about what I've been eating, because actually this past week, I got some. I got some good stuff here. So this past Saturday, my girlfriend and I celebrated our fifth anniversary. Now that's not so much the important part. The important part here is I used our anniversary as an excuse to go on an eating binge. So we kind of went all over the place, and I, I ate some really delicious food. We uh, we went to downtown Orlando, where there's kind of like a, a Vietnamese um, part of town with a lot of shops and restaurants. And so we went to this place and got bubble tea, or I got I got some. Uh, taro milk tea with boba which is a, a drink i haven't had in a while which i really miss i used to have a lot more regularly back in georgia we uh we got some banh mi uh and we went to this uh, little vietnamese grocery store and bought some crap there my girlfriend made this like coconut jello coconut lychee jello thing that she likes and that was uh her thing that's fine and i'm not crazy about it i'm not crazy about jello but nonetheless it was really nice got some 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 flavors that i haven't experienced in a while and that was all good and well but that was just a warm-up for round two now round two we started driving around there's some errands we we wanted to run my girlfriend wanted to go to this plant store so we, we did some things we spent the day kind of out and about and i was rewarded for being a good boy and not complaining about any of these things because towards the end of our of our run we came across an a&w yes not a&w the, the root beer that company, but a- I mean A&W, the restaurant. So we came across an A&W. I thought to myself, you know, I've never eaten here because we don't have these back home. I know they're kind of around a little bit in Florida, but I- I've never had one. So I just had to try it out. So I ordered just a burger. I just got their number one classic burger just to give it a try. And boy, I must tell you, I was not let down. If you've if you've ever had, and if you if you never had an a w burger, and you ever find yourself in the position where you can go ahead and try one, I highly recommend you do so. I'll be honest; I think it tastes pretty much identical to Sonic, the drive-through, uh, the drive-through restaurant. I, I, I was having a conversation with Mister Lethal Migraine about this very subject, and uh, I don't know; it's pretty it's pretty damn good. If you if you've ever had Sonic's drive-through, and you've never had an a sandwich or a burger before, uh, they're pretty similar. So if you think you like one and haven't had the other, maybe go ahead and give it a shot because AW, pretty solid fast food burger. Now that's still not even the best part, okay? Because as night fell, the ro- the romance swelled and, and the memories of the past five years, you know, just were brought to the forefront of our minds and we decided to take this moment to, to celebrate in a big way. And we went out for dinner for the first time since COVID started. My girlfriend and I went to a dinner. I have been dying to get back to a nice Disney restaurant for a a good classic dinner. And finally, 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 for the first time since March, we were able to do that. We went to The Wave, which is a a nice restaurant at Disney's Contemporary Resort. All you need to know about this is we went to Disney World. We went to a resort at Disney World, and we ate at a nice restaurant there. I want to tell you about this because, goddamn, I, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you. I know we talk about the tacos, the Taco Bell, the pizza, the shitty food, the high quality food, the, the quote unquote as uh, the ethnic food as the grocery store might call it. Uh, and, and we go back and forth on all the, the different things and, and the grab and go shit. But at the end of the day, there's one very specific type of dining that is above all my favorite, my favorite food to eat, period, which is going to like a nice high-end Disney restaurant and just like having, having a good meal. Like, you know, like the whole thing, the appetizer, the entree, the dessert, maybe get a little cocktail in there just to feel fancy. And, uh, this was the first time in a long time I've been able to do that. And I, I must say they, the wave did not disappoint. It's like a new modern American style restaurant. So not like crazy shit here. We their menu was a little limited due to COVID. They weren't able to source all the normal ingredients they get, so the the menu is a little more pared down and, and whatnot. So some of the things I've been looking forward to trying at this restaurant we weren't able to get, but that's no problem. I, I plan on being back sometime in the future. Uh, but we got we had some cauliflower tacos which were phenomenal. Uh, I had this nice pork tenderloin with these. It's like this pork tenderloin with like a coffee uh, barbecue sauce thing and like these cheese grits things it's it was it's, it kind of sounds trashy but it was it was absolutely phenomenal it was really good uh and we had a nice little like dessert sampler thing that had like a a, a creme brulee brownie that uh was incredible uh, because it took it takes creme brulee which is a decent dessert that gets overwhelming very fast and makes it very palatable by uh, cutting it with that Dense, delicious, chocolatey, fudgy brownie, and uh I know this. We're at some point we're supposed to talk about the Series S because it's a thing, but this, uh this, this meal, this meal was a. Uh, this meal is all I can think about. It's all I care about, with the exception of the Surface Duo, and uh, I just got to let you know if you guys ever, if you ever find yourself here in the the great U.S. of A., do yourself a favor, D- fuck california fuck new york all the places people tell you to go just go straight down to florida go to walt disney world there are dozens there are hundreds quite literally hundreds of great restaurants to try this this past week i was reminded of how uh disney dining these these uh, table service disney restaurants are literally the the, the absolute greatest thing in the world it's, it's why i moved here more than the theme parks more than the rides more than the my love of hurricanes and heat waves, uh, just fucking love these restaurants. So, that's that. I guess uh, I guess we'll go over what I've been playing as well. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two came out this past week. I know a lot of you are probably playing this. This game seems to be getting pretty great reception. A lot of people seem to be really into it, digging into some nostalgic gaming. Got to be honest, this game is pretty damn good. I've uh, I've en- I've been enjoying the hell out of it. Tony Hawk games are a big part of my childhood. I played the the hell out of these Tony Hawk games growing up. Love, love love the soundtracks. These games are responsible for getting me into some of my favorite punk music and uh, that's uh that has not died since I'm still it's funny playing this game and, and listening to these songs and having that kind of nostalgia from when I was a little kid playing this game, but at the same time also being like, wow, I, I actually still listen to this band all the fucking time like I'm like, you know, like suicide machines comes on or something and I'm like, oh wow, cool, I remember this song being this game. I also remember listening to this band in the car like two days ago because they came up on Shuffle and I still listen to this crap. So it's a a really great game. I think they nailed the mechanics, the physics, the look. Everything about the game feels just right. Uh, I think my only gripe with the game is is playing through Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 again reminds me of how much more of a Tony Hawk's Underground fan I was. Like, I, I really love those games the more like mission-based Tony Hawk games where you can get off your skateboard and do some more ridiculous stuff like Tony Hawk's Underground 1 and 2 and then American Wasteland are my favorite Tony Hawk games so playing through this has just made me like even more longing and nostalgic for the Underground games but I'm, I'm sure that this is the I'm sure that this is just the start of something else I'm sure they're either going to release Uh, another package with three and four or a package with the the underground games or just make a new Tony Hawk game altogether. So I I don't think this is the last we'll see of Tony Hawk at all. Quite contrary. I think this was a testing bed to see how hungry the market is for Tony Hawk games, especially when done right. Because if you think about this, that's the craziest thing is in my opinion, at least Tony Hawk's like this new release pro skater one and two collection this is the best Tony Hawk game since Tony Hawk's American Wasteland, which came out in 2005. You might remember it was actually an Xbox 360 launch game because it was a a previous generation game. It was on Xbox, GameCube, PS2, but then it was also on Nintendo DS and Xbox 360. 360 was the only way to get the HD version of the game. So this is the best Tony Hawk since then. I mean, they've done like Proven Ground and Project 8 and all these other ones and the ride game and that Tony Hawk Pro Skier 5. Honestly, in my opinion, all of those games kind of suck or varying degrees of like mediocre or suck. So it's really cool to just play a good Tony Hawk game like that's brand new for the first time in 15 years. And uh, I'm excited to see where they go with this next. I assume we'll get at least another remake collection, if not a brand new Tony Hawk altogether. This is this is Activision doing with Tony Hawk what they did with crash bandicoot they released the collection tested the water see if people liked it if it sells well we'll make another one and and now we're getting a crash bandicoot 4 so i assume this is following a similar pattern where in in a couple years we'll see a a new tony hawk game so that's exciting very good game highly recommend if you have any inkling of or any inclination to try this game definitely recommend it it's a great time if you like arcadey sports games like like classic Tony Hawk games or like uh, SSX or anything like that. This is definitely a game worth checking out. So that's going to do it for all of our bullshit ancillary top of the show crap. Now that we are a solid 50 something minutes in, let's jump into some news. All right, we'll start with the big one. Let's stop holding it off. I guess, I guess we'll talk about the Xbox Series S. Late Monday night, Microsoft beat writer Brad Sams leaked some long-rumored Xbox news that will surely go down the history of being some of the worst-kept secret in gaming history. Sams leaked the Xbox Series S, previously called Project Lockhart, Microsoft's more affordable next-gen console aimed at a more general audience. Along with the information came leaked renders showing off the console's design. Hours after the leak, Xbox officially came out and confirmed the existence of the Series S, along with release dates for both Series S and X, pricing on both boxes and general spec information. Xbox Series S will release along with the Series X on November 10th, 2020, and will retail for $299 in the US, while the more powerful Series X will retail for 200 dollars $499.99. $499.99. While we've known a lot about the Series X for a while now, details on the Series S have been scarce, but now we have more concrete information along with renders showing the actual hardware design. The Xbox Series S will be the smallest Xbox console ever made, at nearly 60% smaller than the Series X, and will feature designs a little more akin to the current Xbox One S, but with a massive circular black vent gracing the top portion of the box. The console forgoes a disk drive in favor of being a digital-only box, well-suited for services like Game Pass. Xbox Series S can run games up to a resolution of 1440p, and games can run up to 120 frames per second. While the console features a toned-down CPU and GPU relative to the Series X, the Series S will still feature an impressive eight-core custom Zen 2 processor and 1.55 gigahertz custom RDNA 2 GPU. The onboard SSD includes 512 gigabytes of GDDR6 storage, which allows the Series S to take advantage of the new Quick Resume feature. Xbox Series S will also support Ray Tracing, a promising feature that will greatly impact the visual fidelity of games on next-gen hardware. And back to the GPU, the Series S offers a 4 teraflop GPU, compared to the Xbox Series X's whopping 12 teraflop GPU, and the Xbox One X's 6 teraflop GPU. Now. While many, including myself initially, may be mistaken to think that this means that the Series S is less powerful than the Xbox One X, that doesn't appear to actually be the case, as the number of teraflops related to the console is in proportion to the power of the console's GPU and CPU, two components that are significantly stronger on the Series S than they are on the One X. One X was, of course, designed with 4K gaming in mind out of the box for an Xbox One family console, while the Series S is designed for getting high-performance gaming at a more standard resolution for the new Series line of consoles. This makes a lot of sense, as in the US, for example, only roughly a third of households actually have adopted 4K televisions, as the upgrade is seen as less of a necessary revolution in video technology compared to, say, the original home TV HD revolution of the mid-2000s. Microsoft is also planning on more aggressively getting their Xbox All Access program out there with the release of their new consoles. Gamers will be able to finance the Xbox Series S with Game Pass for $25 a month while a finance subscription for the Series X with Game Pass will run consumers a cool $35 a month. More information on Xbox All Access and the new consoles will be revealed in the coming weeks. Pre-orders for both boxes will begin on September 22nd again. Pre-orders for both Series X and S will begin Tuesday, September 22nd, and Microsoft has promised to share more info on the Series S soon, so let's hope for additional info in the coming days. So this is, obviously, this is many stories that were happening over the course of a very short 12-hour overnight period that kind of just kept getting compounded on top of one another over and over again the other day. So Brad Sam's—I don't know how well known he is in the gaming sphere, but he's known in the X or in the Microsoft kind of sphere as he covers a lot with the Surface brand. In fact, he has a—he has a book he's written about the Surface. Uh, it's actually a pretty good read, and he—and he—and um, he's just kind of followed Microsoft as a whole for a long time with gaming kind of being a little more you know, of a of a of a secondary part of the equation, but of course necessary with Xbox being so integral to Microsoft. Now this is this was really unexpected because Sam's basically just tweeted out. I was there kind of watching it happen in real time overnight where I I just saw him tweet out like, hey big news coming in. I was like, oh cool, what's this? I assumed it was something about the surface brand and then he's immediately just like here are renders of the Series S and here's pictures and all the info and the price and the release date. I'm like, whoa and um, this is a little bit of a controversial leak, to say the least, because, I mean, obviously, Microsoft was working on a way to reveal this. And I don't know. Honestly, this is this is why I, I fail as a journalist. I have a minor in journalism, and I, uh, I used to technically work for a site that while not like a official outlet used to, you know, there's some kind of journalistic practice going on at that site. And I'll be honest, from from the combination of working there, plus going to school and taking journalism classes. I don't really fucking understand entertainment or nerd kind of uh, news writing because it's like, you know, this isn't like uh, this isn't like the Pentagon Papers. You know, this isn't something that the people need to know about. We don't we don't got to get this information out into the public. Right. This is okay okay Snowden, chill out. okay I don't know why stuff like this gets deemed as like leakable. You know, like I don't understand if you have this information, I don't understand what your incentive is to leak something like this, because all it's going to do is like absolutely fucking destroy your relationship with microsoft and i understand it's like well if you're a real journalist it's not about having ties with these with these big powers it's about getting the news out to the people but this is entertainment news i don't know how pressing it is that the public knows about the series s a week before microsoft's ready to reveal themselves so it is a weird one i know you know, before we really dig into this, I know Brad Sam's has been taking a lot of heat the past few days for doing this. Uh, I don't know how deserved it is. It You mean you think about it, like a lot of people at Xbox were working really hard to keep this under wraps and work on a reveal plan for it and he just kind of spoiled the whole thing. But yeah, so after all this information leaked and the renders and everything, now this happened kind of overnight while everyone was sleeping or at least if you're here on the east coast we were all sleeping microsoft basically just like handled it like a champ they just tweet out like oh okay stuff's happening and they try to make light of it they try to post some memes and be funny and 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 be like, yep, it's a thing, here it is, here's the picture, and then a few hours later, they tweet some more about it, and then they tweet a little trailer, and so they kind of slowly dole out over the course of the overnight slash early morning period all the information confirming the box, and so it was a little bit of like a a forced hand kind of weird reveal. I saw some people were speculating whether or not this was an an intended leak, if maybe this was planned, but I I, I don't know. uh, It doesn't seem that way. It seems like there's a lot of people working at Xbox I saw, in the past few days, kind of come out from the woodworks to tweet about how this kind of put a wrench in things, but they're still really proud of the team for all the hard work that's gone into this. But nonetheless, here we are, for better or for worse, it's finally out there in the open. Xbox Series S, there was absolutely no concern or or, or thought from anyone that maybe this box wasn't real or wasn't coming to fruition so it was only a matter of time but we finally know what it looks like we finally got the price obviously it's a kind of xbox series s looking device no it looks like the all digital edition there's no disk drive and then it has that big ass vent on the top now it's important to know the series s has a big vent too it's just it's just white and kind of hidden now on this console they try to make it like a fashion statement by making it like big and bold and black looking. So I, I I get it. They want it to like, they want to like make it contrast. It's the, the kind of design aesthetic of the Xbox series consoles is to kind of wear the techie hardware thing on their sleeves are like yeah it has a massive fucking fan on it you want to know why because it's a powerful goddamn console it needs a lot of cooling power so i get it they're trying to play into that and make it part of the design aesthetic and the appeal of the console is like wait why does it have such a massive fan on it it's like because it needs to cool because it's such a powerful next-gen console so i get what they're going for with that look but of course the internet couldn't just let it be what it is and they had to make a bunch of memes about it and make silly pictures and post them all over the place and laugh about how it's stupid and it looks like a grill or a boombox and jokes on them because what really happens is people buy fucking video game consoles, throw them on their entertainment system, never look at them because they focus on the TV screen at the box, but I digress. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I didn't tweet out about this or really say anything about it throughout the past few days because I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know... Regardless of how this was handled, how the information got out, I don't know what else at this point there is to react to or to say. We we spent so long knowing this box this box existed, knowing that these things were coming out at some point in early mid November, knowing that the price ranges were somewhere around this or that. That it's like now that we know what the Series S looks like, we have a price, we have a, a pre order date, we have a release date, we have all that really, my 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 gut reaction is like, woo, finally, like it's it's a it's a relief. It's not like pumped excitement for the brand. It's like I'm finally able to stop speculating about this bullshit every Wednesday night when I record my podcast. So that's my first instinct is or, or reaction is that I'm so happy we don't have to, you know, talk about this series s like it's like it's a thing, but not really or like speculate on the price or the release date like we it's finally just out there and um i guess with that said we should talk about the price then right 299 300 249 in in, in europe like holy shit the price is so like i said earlier uh owe you a little bit of an apology mr My, mr migraine My absolutely killing it with the with the price here there's a like If there's anything Microsoft can do to eat into Sony's market this generation, I think above having a killer app, which, you know, to most people they would say is the most important thing, I think above being first to market or whatever it is, I think the most important thing they can do is just have an affordable box on the market. And obviously, I say, you know, being first market isn't as important knowing full well that both boxes are coming out within a few days of one another you know we don't have ps5's release date but we know it's going to be like around within like a week or two of this so it's just knowing that knowing that series s is going to come out at 300 dollars, offer crazy good performance and all this next gen experience you know for 300 fucking dollars is amazing it's actually incredible when you take into account like game pass and how cheap you can get it if you do xbox all access then i mean like it's just amazing for example like count scott Hila commented he said not seeing many mentions of this but if you do the math for xbox all access it's 240 for the xbox series s and 480 for the series x after you subtract game pass ultimate now my gut feeling uh also gut feeling that we're going to get halo multiplayer beta in november blah, blah blah yeah this is a good point like not only is it cheaper if you finance it which is ass backwards because financing is usually more expensive in the long in the long run but like microsoft is like just throwing out millions of ways for people to get their hands on this new hardware they're saying here's the cheapest fucking next gen console and you can finance it with this subscription that just gives you endless games so you don't even have to buy games for it and it's 25 bucks a month and by the time you're done paying off the console, you actually paid less than someone who just bought it outright. And I mean, it's just absolutely insane here. What, what they're doing. I don't, I don't know. It's just, um, I think this is more so than Halo. I think this is a bigger selling point because honest to God, if Halo Infinite comes out and it's a great game, people are going to buy it. People are going to be interested in it. People who wouldn't normally play Xbox would would be like, oh, I want to see what that Halo game's about. But what's really going to sell consoles is for your more average consumer who isn't, married to the idea of the ps4 or married to the idea of the xbox brand or anything like that and they're just and they're just going to say okay i know the new consoles are out oh man it looks like that new xbox is pretty affordable they have one that's 300 i might pick that up because think about it like this there are a lot of people out there who bought an xbox 360 because you could get one for 300 when the ps when the ps3 was 600 okay this is this is a thing that actually happened And that's a big reason why Xbox 360 was so successful on top of, you know, being on market a year early and having Gears of War uh, back before PS3 really had anything notable. So, I mean, there's a handful of things, but, you know, being able to walk into a a Best Buy or a, a Walmart and see that, oh, this one's significantly cheaper than this one is a huge selling point. It's a massive selling point. I don't think this gets discussed enough because gamers don't care about that as much, gamers care about price, but only in terms of like console war ways. And this is what I mean, you know, Xbox One was 500 bucks, PS4 was 400. PlayStation gamers were never gonna buy the Xbox One, whether it was also 400, or whether it was 500, whether it was 900, whether it was 199, no matter what, PlayStation gamers were never gonna buy the Xbox One. But they were able to use that as a way to pick on the Xbox and then draw attention to it and therefore get people to pay less attention to the console because it was more expensive. Now, for your average consumer, that's not so much the case because you got that guy who went into Walmart in 2006 and was like, oh, wow, the PlayStation 3 is 600 bucks. Oh, but I can get this Xbox 360 for 300 I'll just get that, and then they fell in love with Xbox, whatever, and then in 2013, they said, well, I'm going to get that new Xbox because I liked my 360, and then they go to Walmart, and they go, wait, 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 the new Xbox is 500, but the new PlayStation is 400, okay, I guess I'm going PlayStation this time, and then a lot, you know, and then they, they they play on PS4 or whatever, and that same kind of consumer that doesn't give so much a shit about what console they're on or or what, you know, they're just more so looking at what box is an easier, more affordable way for me to get more Madden, more Call of Duty, more Sims, more you know Tony Hawk, whatever game it is they're looking to play, you know? And and when they walk into stores this holiday season and they see, oh, wow, that new Xbox, uh, five, $500. Oh, my God, they have a $300 one. And then they're like, oh, oh PlayStation, I have a PlayStation 4, that's good. ah, ah, the PlayStation's $500, but I can get this Xbox for $200 less, I mean, we don't know the PS5 price, but I'm still pretty confident PS5 is a $500 box, the digital one's $450, the physical one, the one with the disc drive is $500, that's, that's still my, that, my suspicion that I'm fairly certain is, is correct, but just, just go with me on this, like, that's a pretty powerful thing, and so the Xbox Series S was never about selling it to the hardcore gamer. It's not about saying to Xbox gamers, oh, you guys are going to love this less powerful, less expensive Xbox. No, they know that the Xbox hardcore fan base is all eyes on Xbox Series X. They know that. That's why that was released first. That's why they're talking about the power and the best Xbox first, because they're trying to come out big and strong and flashy. But now they're talking about the box that's actually going to sell the most units. And it's the one that mom can go to the store and get for a kid because it's cheaper and now it's the one that casual gamer joe doesn't give a fuck about what console he's playing on as long as he can play his laser suit larry it's gonna go oh well i'll go with this one it's cheaper now it's gonna sell to the kind of person who's stuck in quarantine like oh maybe i should pick up a game console and then just picks up the cheapest one like these are the kinds of scenarios where the xbox series s is going to look more enticing and and so we need to stop as, a, as, like, game enthusiasts and, like, people who are, quote, in the know or, like, more tuned in and connected to this this industry, you got to stop looking at things like the Series S as, like, as like oh, it's less powerful, it's shittier, it's the crappy version. It's like, no, man, the cheap thing is what sells. I, I hate to always use the phone comparison, but, like, I know the big, sexy, flashy iPhone on the market right now is the iPhone 11 Pro Max or whatever it's called, the iPhone 11 Max. That's not the iPhone everyone buys, dude. That's not even close. The iPhone everyone buys is the S, the iPhone, the iPhone S, the, the, not, not even the iPhone 11, not even the regular mid range one. They buy the cheap one, the one with the big bezels on it that has the updated internals, but still looks like a phone from five years ago because the affordable one always sells the best. The one that most people can afford to get their hands on is what's going to sell the best. I don't think that means series X. I don't think that means Xbox is going to outsell PlayStation this generation. It's not a one-to-one thing. You know, I, there are plenty of Android phones that are significantly cheaper than the cheapest iPhone, and you know, iPhone's still like the best-selling phone on the market. Brand means something. It's not. It's not negligible. It's not. You know, it's not a. It's. It's not a completely negligible factor. But price also makes a huge difference. So. For a lot of people, people who don't have brand loyalty, people who haven't bought a console in a long time, people who just buy whichever one's most accessible, the Xbox Series S is going to look so incredibly attractive on a shelf when it's, by and large, the cheapest next-generation console on the market. It offers great performance, and with a little thing called Game Pass, you can just have a shit ton of games available all the time. You don't even need to buy games. You just get another Netflix like subscription on your credit card. And you just forget about it and play games all the time. And there's always new stuff coming in and out. And I think, especially as we get more underway with this next gen, and more people catch wind of Game Pass and it gets more attention, which I think you're going to see a lot of over the next year as people as we get more into the next gen. I think this is going to be a more compelling story where people are going to be like, No, 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 man! I know gaming is expensive. Blah blah blah. You don't have to buy all the new games. Just go to go to go to the store. Go to Target. Get the Xbox Series S, it's the cheapest one there, and then get Game Pass. You will never have to buy a game again, man. And then you can play all your shit and, and, and all that stuff. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, yeah, but Xbox Game Pass doesn't even necessarily appeal to the more, more casual gamer. Because the more casual gamer wants, like, Call of Duty and Madden and shit like that, then, then I would say, hmm, you're right. Game Pass really does appeal more to, like, hardcore gamers because it's like the indie games and the Xbox first-party games and stuff. Well, what if I told you EA Access was on Game Pass, and then you had access to, like, the Need for Speeds and the Star Wars and the Madden and shit? And then, you know, we'll get into that. That's our next story. But, like, fuck. Like, they're really firing on all c- cylinders getting that more casual market. And that's, that's the big market here. You know, Microsoft would be foolish to be trying to get diehard c- Sony fanboys to switch over to Xbox. That's just not worth your time that's not that's a losing battle we know that especially after all these years and especially after this past generation we know how that works now so focus on taking care of your already loyal fan base and getting the swing voters this is just like a, an election you're trying to get the swing states. you're not trying to get the historically opposing colored or opposing you know colored state to vote for you. That's not how that's not how winning works. So I think people are super underestimating this. The price is a huge deal on the Series S. If anything, you know, it's like, I'm not crazy. I'm not like blown away that's $300 personally. Cause I know that was a rumored price that was on the table for a long time, but I am still kind of shocked that it's $300 if that makes sense. Just because, man, think about it, man. Like, like the Xbox 360 arcade was like 300 bucks in 2005. When you adjust for inflation, with what you're getting with the Series S in 2020, like, that's fucking insane value. Think about the last time there was a new Xbox console uh, generation. The, there was only one SKU. It was a $500 Xbox One that came with a Kinect, no other option, period. Like, dude, can look at the amount of money, like, the the barrier to entry here. It's so fucking affordable there's so much value packed in i wouldn't be surprised if when you buy an xbox series s it comes with a free month of game pass anyway like this is just an amazing value all around and and i think you know some people are fixing on the 4k thing here it's like that that really doesn't matter as much as you think it does i don't like 4k the difference between like 1080p and 4k is not like the difference between like 480p and 1080p it's like you know it's like 480s is is like ow fuzzy bullshit 1080 is like oh pretty nice looking hd picture and then the difference between 1080 and 4k is like oh wow that really good looking hd picture just got a little nicer it's it's one of those things where it's like it's so good that you're getting to the point of diminishing returns with 4k and 8k and all that shit where you know i mean if you want to get nerdy about yes of course there's a difference of course 4k looks better but i'm not going to sit here and tell you like if you don't buy a Series X, you're going to think the Series S sucks. You're going you're gonna to think Xbox sucks. You're going to get the worst experience on these games. The games are going to look like shit. They're going to run like shit. It's not going to feel the next gen. It's like, that's not the case. You're still going to get really powerful games, and you're still going to be able... That's the crazy part is like, the S is still going to be able to provide frame rates of up to 120 FPS. That's fucking insane. Like, that's what I'm looking for. Like, quick resume. Running these new modern games really powerfully and being able to do quick resume and switch between apps on the fly and load games fast and, and have high frame rates. That's what I'm looking for. Ray tracing. That's the shit I'm looking for in my next gen game. The 4k is a cherry on top. So you you get the series X. If you're the kind of guy who has to have all the horsepower, all the performance. I get that. I'm that guy. I'm still going to get the series X. I I got a 4k TV in preparation of the, the new Xbox. I'm that guy who wants the, the premier experience, but I'm also the guy who's fucking podcasts about Xbox for two hours by himself every Wednesday night. I'm not the regular guy. I'm not the average consumer. You know, I'm the I'm the I'm the diehard fanboy. I'm the the more niche consumer here. you the Series S is for the mass markets. So that's that's for people who just want a gaming machine. And I think it's already positioned to be just the best value in gaming in a very long time. It, even better than the Switch. The Switch I thought was a pretty solid price for a pretty solid piece of kit but man I say the Series S is an even better value when you think about just how because the thing the thing that makes the Nintendo Switch like justifiable is it's like wow look at the kind of look at these big like console like experiences you get on the go and you can remove the controllers and put on the TV and take it on the go and all these things it was novel it's fun but the Series S is like this is a very capable very powerful machine like this is not this, the the specs on this machine are not kidding around. This is not like we're really dumbing things down to help get the price down. This is like you're still getting a very competitive next gen experience with this box, and it's three hundred dollars. That's fucking insane. Like I like if you asked me a year ago, I would say I don't know if we'll ever see a a, a new Xbox or PlayStation ever release for less than four hundred dollars, and and here we are, three hundred bucks for the Series S. It's fucking amazing, and. And I haven't talked about the Series X here. Five hundred bucks for the Series X. I think that's also a very attractive price. Again, I was never expecting Series X or PS5 to be anything less than five hundred. And there were moments where people were rumoring about 700 dollars for these boxes. Now I never thought, I never thought it would get that high. But I, I thought there was a pretty good chance that the Xbox Series X could have run for five ninety nine, six hundred bucks. Uh, but here we are, five hundred bucks. This is the sweet spot. I think between these two boxes, they found the sweet spot. It is it is the more expensive, super powerful, like hardcore gamer box for a very fair price. It's not cheap. It's not expensive. It's very fair. It's exactly where it should be. $499, I think, is a very nice sweet spot for the Series X. And then there's the Series S, which is just as capable of a machine, but it's more about, you know, lower resolutions and kind of, you know the lesser experience in that way. If if you're all about that, um, that kind of high definition experience, 300 bucks, same games, same performance, same, everything else for 300 bucks. That's, that's insane. That's a crazy good value. Both launching on November 10th. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm again, I'm just so relieved to have all this shit out there in the open. that we don't have to talk about it and everything um i don't really want to talk about like the design of the console or the look of it i just such a stupid thing to even argue about like seeing how much there was so much negativity about this box i don't know what's going on but like i was reading so many tweets seeing so many people talk about it so many media people xbox employees talking about it and it just seems like the comments left and right was like so overwhelmingly negative i'm like How the hell is how is it even possible to be even slightly negative on the Xbox Series S? It's like even if it's not your thing, like that's cool. If you're a PlayStation guy, cool. I hope you love the PS Five. But like, how are you gonna go around and shit on the Xbox Series S? There's nothing to fault it for. Like, it's a very very powerful machine. It just it just gives up the disc drive and the 4K. Two things we don't need because the world is quickly moving to all digital, which makes sense anyway because. I don't know why people will even buy physical media. And then number two, we know 4K is slightly more niche of a, of a feature, and and a lot of people don't even really get the full effect or appreciation of it anyway. You know, I, I'm sure 4K is one of those things where a lot of people buy a 4K TV because it's like a cool thing. It's a buzzword thing. And they wait for Black Friday. They try to get a cool 4K TV, and they don't even know how to fucking set it up. I'm sure a lot of those people, like a lot of people, buy 4K TVs. And they just plug it up and leave it as is. They don't even understand how to get 4K content on their TV. And they still just convince themselves, wow, it looks so good. It's like 4K is one of those things. I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It does matter. It makes a difference. A 4K picture is prettier. But like I will take frame rate and ray tracing and fast loading and fast performance on my game over just a prettier resolution any day. I think I think almost any sane gamer would like that's that's what matters in the game. It's how fast you get in the actions, how well the game performs how smooth the, the frame rate is, like that stuff matters infinitely more than the resolution. So I, I think this is a really solid box that makes all the appropriate compromises and and makes sure it knows exactly what it needs to have and doesn't, you know, doesn't compromise on any of the really crucially critically important parts. If there's anything on, on the box that I think is like, ooh, that's a little weak, it's the 512 gigabytes of, of SSD storage, but that's even understandable for 300 bucks, but... I mean, obviously, it's like that storage is going to go fast. Be be wary of that, of course. But yeah, amazing, just an amazing box, amazing value. Uh, and uh, I hope a lot of people will enjoy that. I'm sure it will sell very well this holiday season when that gets out. I, I I imagine. I don't know about the Series X. I assume everything will be sold out this holiday season because I'm sure COVID will create supply restraints. But um, I'm I'm pretty damn confident that both, if not at the very least, the Series S will be sold out for a couple solid months good luck finding a series s i don't think that will be an easy console to get your hands on so yeah that's uh that's it for the series s i don't really know what more else to say about it obviously it's like massive news but again we've just been rumoring about and talking about this for so long and so much of the rumor was true you know roughly the price point the release time window what it was the specs a lot of those rumors were pretty much right on par so it's not like you know it's not like we didn't know the concept of what this console was we we've known a lot of this for a while so i don't know it's just really nice to have all this out in the open now we are at the point where we're waiting until september 22nd so we can get our pre-orders in and then we're just waiting for the thing to come out no more no more rumors no more i heard it does this or i heard it looks like that or i wonder if it will do this or will they be able to compete with that all all we're waiting on is just We know what day. We're just waiting for a specific date to put our pre-orders in and then a specific date to have them come in the mail so we can get get to gaming, gamers. Now, I mean, I guess guess the biggest thing we're waiting on at this point isn't even Xbox-related. The biggest thing we're waiting on now is to find out the PS5 price and release date so that, you know, we can start more aptly comparing how we... or speculating how the consoles are going to perform in relation to one another, so... That's that's actually kind of the biggest news we're waiting on now. So Sony, the ball's in your court. I assume they want to get a week or two of distance from this announcement before they talk about PS5's price and release date because they don't want it to seem like exactly what it actually is, which is that they are waiting for one to go before the other so that they can come out, announce the price, and um, make it seem like this was always their plan. But that is that for that big old story. Now, let's get into our other story. There's there's actually only two stories this week. It's a, it's a very slow news week in terms of the quantity of news. It's just very big stories. So, our only other big story this week is that it looks like the insane value of Xbox Game Pass is about to get even more unbelievable as Microsoft have teamed up with EA to bring the recently renamed EA Play service to Xbox Game Pass subscribers. From Xbox Wire, To provide even more value, we are teaming up with EA to provide Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and PC members with an EA Play membership, at no additional cost starting this holiday. This means Ultimate members can enjoy EA Play on Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and Xbox Series S, and Windows 10 PCs and Xbox Game Pass for PC members get EA Play on Windows 10. In addition to 100-plus games on Xbox Game Pass library, Ultimate and PC members will also be able to uh, play more than 60 of EA's biggest and best console and PC games, like FIFA 20, Titanfall 2, Amen, Need for Speed Heat, as well as titles from some of EA's most popular franchises like Battlefield, Mass Effect, Skate, and The Sims. Some of the best EA Play games uh, will also be available for Ultimate members to play on Android devices from the cloud at no additional cost, meaning uh, Project X Cloud, I assume. Uh, and we're continuing to add great gaming uh, games and experiences to Xbox Game Pass for PC. Game Pass for PC and the Xbox app will become generally available on September 17th. So that will all exit its kind of rough beta in vaguely beta phase that's been in. So, yeah, I think this is the bigger story of the week in terms of like wow, didn't see that coming for sure, right? Yeah, and, and that's just it. I did not see this coming at all. It's funny because the other week, it was like one or two weeks ago when EA announced that they were renaming the service EA Play, I was kind of goofing around about how like I don't understand who this service is really for. Like who has this? Why does this matter? If you if you if you, if you only have so many dollars and and you have to choose between EA Play and Game Pass, like what are you gonna fucking do? And I wonder if that's where this this came is that EA really wants EA Play to be a thing and they acknowledge that, especially you know, remember EA, EA Play isn't on, or is it on PS4? I think it finally came to PS4. Let me double check real quick. Interesting, it is on PS4. So I remember obviously EA Play back when it was EA Access. When it first came out in, like, 2014, 2015, it was exclusive to Xbox for a long time because PlayStation basically was like, fuck it, we don't want that on our system. And then it came, I think it came pretty recently in the past, like, two years or something like that. But, yeah, it's on its on PlayStation, but you just have to subscribe to it now. So now it's going to be a thing where on Xbox you can pay, I think it's five bucks a month. You can pay five, the five bucks a month and get EA Play, or if you have Game Pass Ultimate, fuck it, you have... Game Pass Ultimate is going to get you Xbox Live, Game Pass, EA Play, xCloud, Game Pass for PC, all the shit. You're just going to get it all. It's so much fucking content. Um, And, I I mean, that's just an unbelievable value. So, um, um, what I wonder is almost if EA was looking at this like, guys, like... EA Play is almost a useless service on, on Xbox because no one's going to pick it over Game Pass. You know, people are either going to have both or they're going to have Game Pass, but no one's going to get EA access or EA Play rather. And so I wonder if that was kind of what sparked this partnership was like, we're better off joining you guys and having this thing as part of your package than trying to compete with it and have it separate. And so uh, I it makes you wonder, like obviously Microsoft's going to be putting in some serious money to make this happen. But then that also begs the question of like well now that 15 that xbox gets from every every person's going even thinner because now that 15 covers your xbox live gold it covers your game pass it covers your game pass for pc it covers your your project x cloud and it also covers you know some of that has to go to ea presumably i, I assume this means ea will get a percentage of every of every subscription to game pass Right. Because there's no way in hell this is just like, a oh, yeah, we'll give you this for free. Microsoft, obviously, has got to be profiting from this in some way. So that I mean, in some of that's kind of like inflated, like like Microsoft deciding to have Game Pass give you access to console and PC is not like splitting the money and and giving you access to like xCloud and game pass isn't like splitting the money because x cloud was never tied to anything to begin with so i understand some of it's kind of arbitrary to compare but when game pass offers so much value and the price just stays stagnant it does make you wonder it's like okay well does this mean the price is coming up or in some way the value is going to be diminished like the the quality of the games we get is going to be diminished like in some way this has to change like right microsoft has to change this bump the price the quality has to change like something's got to give here you can't keep asking for the same price and giving us unbelievable amounts of value and quantity of 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 of, of uh, perks to the subscription it just doesn't work like that like you're here to make money this has to be profitable so what is the situation here because remember Microsoft has to pay all these third parties all these third parties to uh to get their games on Game Pass and Microsoft has to pay EA to have EA access on Game Pass and also remember that the majority of people are going to start playing their Xbox exclusive games from Game Pass, not from buying $60 games, so that $15 from Game Pass is a lot of, it's a lot of things, it's, it's, it's covering the Xbox Live, it's covering the Xbox first party games, it's, and, and paying for those games to be made, and, and that's where the funds are coming from, it's, it's paying these third parties to get their games on the service, it's paying EA, you know, it's, it's paying for the keep, upkeep and infrastructure of xCloud, like it's, it's a lot of things, so, I, I, my first thing is it's just like it, how how does this end like does does game pass go up to 20 bucks a month and i get it you know 15 dollars isn't nothing you take 15 dollars, you spread it across i think they said they have like 10 million subscribers right now already it's a lot of fucking money and obviously game pass you know the further we get into the new generation the more people adopt game pass all this stuff we're gonna see game pass overtake or or replace xbox live we're gonna see game pass get up there and have those crazy subscription numbers so Rest assured, Microsoft's going to be making crazy money, but think about a world where no one has Xbox Live Gold, which is 10 bucks a month. They only have Game Pass Ultimate, which is 15 bucks a month. That's like saying, you know, now we're paying for Xbox Live, and then the remaining $5 goes to covering all the other, you know, cost of Game Pass. And I know it doesn't exactly work like that, but it just doesn't seem financially viable. It seems like at some point, Microsoft has to bump the price on this. At some point, the service has to become 20 bucks a month or 200 bucks a year or something like that. Like they have to do something to make this more profitable because we've gotten to a point where the value is so great, the number of features is so great that I just don't see how this continues to just remain 15 bucks a month. It just seems too good to be true, right? Now the other thing, the other concern this raises for me is, is the way this affects PlayStation. Obviously, EA is a is a, a third party publisher. They they work with Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo and you know th- this is this is a thing where they have many partners to placate and to cooperate with, and you got to think if you're Sony, this is a little frustrating. This is this is like saying now let's be honest. EA Play isn't like X, X, isn't like a Game Pass where it's like the day a new ea game comes out it's in ea play and you get to play for free it's not it's not that it's i, I believe isn't it like um you get like access to the game early and then when it comes out you get it at a discounted price and then the games that are in the vault there are, or that are on the library are like older games like one year or older so it's not it's not like you know it's not like you subscribe to ea access and then when star wars squadrons comes out this year you get it day and date and you know, when fucking the next Battlefield comes out, you get a day and date. That's not how it works. So it's not like, you know, that, but it still was a lot, a lot of perk for someone who's like, okay, so well now I should play, you know, for think of it like for the consumer like this, it's like, well, I love games like Madden and, and Mass Effect and shit like that. It's, so why would I buy a PS5 when if I have an Xbox, it's just included in my subscription and I get all those games there you know, I get them even cheaper, I get them even faster, I get along with all these other games, so I wonder if this upsets Sony, If it, how Sony reacts to this, if they say, you know, like, hey, this is kind of bullshit, because our players, you know, our, our user base here is actually a huge part of your market, because obviously PlayStation has the bigger install base, uh, so therefore more third-party games being sold on our platform than theirs, versus Xbox, you know, so why would you do us like that, why would you be a bad partner, and partner with Xbox and give them such a massive perk when we don't have that. So I almost wondered, does this mean maybe EA play gets bundled in with PlayStation now at some point or PlayStation plus, you know, maybe that happens so that it kind of evens the playing field because I just can't imagine that EA can make a move like this with PlayStation, with Xbox. And then just Sony just sit there and be like, yeah, we're complacent with this. We're cool with this because it just seems like, you know, such a, a a sign of favoritism inciting with, with a company that's supposed to remain a little more impartial. And again, you know, like think about it, if you're someone who, for whatever reason, plays a lot of EA games specifically, I don't know if that's really a, a large enough market, you know, people who are like EA gamers, I don't know what that means really. But if you were someone like that, for whatever reason, all of a sudden it makes Xbox a way more enticing platform right now. It's like, wow, Xbox is the most powerful place. It's, it's the most powerful console, so it's the best place to play third parties in that regard. It also has EA Play baked into Game Pass, so it's the best way to play EA's games, which is, you know, one of the biggest third-party publishers. So it it is this, like, growing thing where it's like, yeah, you can talk all day about how Xbox doesn't have the exclusives, even though it fucking does. They're not here today, but they're on the way. They have the teams. They have the games in development. You can You can joke about that all you want, but it's like... At the end of the day, Xbox does have the games, and that's what Game Pass is. It's a service with tons and tons of fucking games. And on top of that, third-party games look and run better on this console because it's more powerful. And on top of that, EA games are pretty much baked in the whole thing for free because why would you own this box and not have a Game Pass subscription? So it just becomes this bigger story of like, wow, the value is there on Xbox. Like, man, if you're just such a big fan of of Blood Souls and and Bug Souls and Spider-Man Souls, Morales, and uh and God of Souls and all those games that you get on the PlayStation, then yeah, I guess PlayStation is just the place you got to be. You got to go spend 500 bucks on a box that's going to make you spend $60 per game uh because it has the exclusives. Sure, you're free to do what you want with your money. But look at Xbox, you can get in the door for 300 bucks. For $15 a month, you can get Game Pass, and EA Access, and xCloud, and all this shit. It's like, it's an infinite better value. At some point, you have to ask yourself, are the exclusives on PlayStation so good that it's worth giving up all that value that Xbox offers? It's almost like Xbox is saying, hey, We've got the lineup of first party games coming. It's gonna be a more competitive fight once we get Halo and Fable and Avowed and and, and, and all these games out the door, right? But until then, we're also gonna double we're also gonna up the ante by saying not only are we gonna be more competitive with games once all of our new studios and all of our teams are ready with their new projects, but on top of that, we're also gonna make it really competitive in terms of value. To the point where we're going to twist the consumer's arm so much that they're going to say, "Well, yeah, we have our exclusives; they have their exclusives, but they're offering such a standard value for gaming, whereas we're like basically giving away all the like the, the keys to the kingdom here for free. Fifteen bucks a month, have unlimited access to everything. You're really going to pick them over us. Our box is cheaper. Our service is infinitely better. Our online infrastructure is infinitely better." we have tons of first party exclusives that are on the way you just got to show a little patience because sorry we we just you know we're in the we're in a transition process of a bunch of new studios starting to really get to work on some some big projects here so i don't know i i wished that by this point we were in a position where microsoft had more of their studios ready to go with xbox exclusive games i wished at this point we had fable we had halo we had something from one of these newly acquired studios or something like that but I, I I get it. It's just we're just not there yet. But give it two more years. Wait until this onslaught of first party games start coming out on top of Series S being the most affordable box on top of Game Pass being nothing but amazing value on top of all this other shit. It's like how how do you even compare them? So at that point, it really is like you're either on Xbox because you respect your wallet and you want to have all the games everywhere, all the time, on these amazing platforms that let you play anywhere and everywhere, or you buy PlayStation because you're really just that big a fan of God of War. And and I'm not I'm not saying this to be like PlayStation's dumb by comparison. Like I get it, man. I played God of War 2018. It was a great game. I played Spider-Man 2018. It was a great game. I played Uncharted. I played all of them. They're they're really good. Like Sony makes some great games. I'm not gonna take that away from Sony. But at, at some point, you gotta say what's more important to me the Sony first party lineup or this this amazing value in gaming that's just going to give me everything cuz cuz remember the majority of what we play on our consoles are not the first party games like the the majority of your gaming experiences you think about the course of a console generation of of your time with an Xbox or a PlayStation the majority of what you play at for for most people are games you can play on any platform games you can play on PC Xbox PlayStation whatever you know, like, that's that's true for most of us. Like, I talk all the time about Halo. Like, I got to be on Xbox because I love Halo so much. Sure. But the majority, like, when you add up every game I've ever played on my Xbox, I don't know, like, 15, 20% of them are Xbox-exclusive games. The vast majority of what I play are games that I could play on PlayStation. I play, I love Far Cry. I play every Far Cry game. I'm playing Tony Hawk right now. That's on PlayStation. Like, this is, this is how it works. So, at some point, to the consumer, again, you have to ask yourself, Are these console exclusives so valuable that I'm willing to just miss out on all the financial value of the Xbox brand right now? Like, is it, do, am I so invested in the next, in the sequel to Days Gone that I can't just buy an Xbox Series S this time? and get a great next gen console for cheaper and get Game Pass for 15 bucks a month where i have tons of games and maybe fall in love with some new console exclusives by seeing what Microsoft Studios have to offer i don't know maybe maybe you'll find that you actually like Avowed more than Dark Souls Remaster Remastered edition i don't know maybe maybe be a little more open minded i think what you'll find when you open your mind is that everything that's not what i like sucks so uh just 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 play Xbox that's all there is to it so yeah with that ea thing it's that that is like a jaw drop like wow i can't believe game pass is getting even more valuable it's super exciting later this fall we'll see that happen but it does raise some questions for me about will we see ea play become a perk with playstation now which is playstation streaming service will we see will we see the price of game pass have to rise at some point soon because there's just too much going on here. And I think I think EA Play is really the thing that begs the question of if the price of Game Pass needs to go up, not just because there's just so much value in the service now, but because this is the first part of the Game Pass equation that, well, that's not true. I was going to say this is the first part of the Game Pass equation that where, where part of the funds is going outside of Microsoft, but obviously that's not true because Xbox uses money that Game Pass generates to, bring other third party games to game pass. So, of course it's not true in that regard, but now they have this whole other vertical of like money that has to be given to EA from Game Pass's revenue because they're going to keep EA Play as part of the service. So, again, it just it just begs the question like at what point does the price go up? I'm okay with that. Listen, y- you can charge 25 bucks a month for Game Pass. I still think it's a great value. But I just don't think $15 enough a month is tenable for too much longer. And maybe that's just because I remember what happened with Netflix. I remember Netflix was seven bucks. Then it was 10 or it's 11 or whatever it is now. Like we pay more for Netflix now than we did 10, 15 years ago. And I expect that to be the case with game pass, at least in some point in the future, maybe not today or tomorrow. It might be a few years, but this is, this is one of those things I look at. I'm like, they're just once they have enough people hooked on this, this service to the point where they can't back out. They're going to have to up the price. They just have to. I, I don't want to see Game Pass be this thing that like cheapens itself by refusing to raise the price. I'd rather pay more to ensure that the service stays premium than, than, than see it get watered down by having them feel obligated to keep adding perks to it without without you know allocating the proper resources and funds to making sure that the content we're getting from Game Pass is of a high quality. So, you know, I don't know it's it's something that like worries me ever so slightly but yeah if we're just taking it at face value this is another really really exciting value to have here i'm really interested to see how this i don't know it's it's always seemed like microsoft and ea have had a little bit of a a good relationship together you know it's it's always kind of seemed that way like of all the big console brands, I've I've always thought EA seems to be a little closest with Microsoft, and maybe that's because like Peter Molyneux uh, worked with EA and at Lionhead, so and at Xbox, so like he's had he's ha- he's he's kind of been there. He's like a connector between the two brands. Maybe because they're both American companies, there's some there's something there with their relationship. I don't I don't know what it is, but there's just always seemed to be a little bit of a of like a kind of understood respect or partnership between EA and uh, and Microsoft. So maybe that's not too surprising that this deal happened. But nonetheless, just another example of why if you don't have an Xbox, you're probably going to be single for the rest of your entire fucking life. So with that said, that's actually all the news for the week. We'll have our... Of course, we'll jump into now our important enough stories. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion, of which we have a handful. But yeah, how, how do you like that? There's literally... We're about to have another regular two hour episode here, but we only had two stories, two big news stories to talk about. That's that's the promise to you of Xbox on is that I can't promise that the this, this show is going to be of a good quality, but I can promise it's going to be a decent length. So if you're listen, as someone who used to when I lived in Atlanta, man, I used to drive from when I when I was still in college, living at my dad's house, just trying to save money to get through school. I would drive 40 minutes from my dad's house or 30 minutes of traffic was good from my dad's house to the train station and then take the train 50 minutes to work and then walk 5 minutes to work so like it would take me like man like an hour and a half on a good day to get from home to work one way and then fuck I'd get out of my old restaurant job at like 2am and ride the train the last train of the night back to the train station holy fuck to where my car was oh my god sometimes a 2 hour train it sometimes take me over 2 hours to get home at like 2 a.m. You got, like, you kidding me? I would have killed for a podcast this good that lasts this long. You guys don't know how good you got it. Allow me to sound like an old geezer here. Listen, you kids these days with your two-hour Xbox podcasts, with your unsavory jokes from that one dude who talks about one console, the Xbox One. Man, you guys, anyway, with that said, here let's, let's jump into our quick news stories. First one here is that in a press release, Ubisoft stated that, on Xbox Series X, Assassin's Creed Valhalla will run at 60 FPS and at full 4K resolution. And now that's, that's uh, that's of course, important because there were rumors that the game would be at 30 FPS and that, of course, is not the case here. So we all know that Xbox Series X is goat, as the kids would say, and that PS5 sucks cock. All right, next here, according to Reddit leaks, uh, it is possible that the Seagate uh, the Seagate-made one terabyte SSD expansion cards that are in the works for the Xbox Series X/S could cost upwards of $220 a card. Uh, while the assumed tech, while we assumed that the tech would be expensive, of course, this is likely a tough pill to swallow for most consumers, making more conventional external drives probably the more common go-to, despite not offering the same performance benefits. So that's a little bit of a yikes, but still, it's it's a rumor for now. Apparently, it was according to a GameStop leak. We will see. I was expecting like 150 bucks, not not 220. So, yikes! But uh, we'll have to wait and see how much those expansion cards cost. Next, we've got that in preparation for the launch of the Xbox Series X and S on November 10th, Microsoft announced today that Xbox All Access is expanding to a total of 12 countries in later uh, later in 2020. This is definitely something to keep in mind while considering going uh, while considering going with the Xbox Series S or X. Here's the full list of countries and retailers where the Xbox All Access service will be available this holiday, and I'm going to leave out the the retailers, just the countries, so you can look into this service if you live in one of these 12 nations and you're looking to finance your new Xbox console this holiday season. We've got Australia and Canada, both of which I think were already involved in the program. Denmark, Finland, France, New Zealand, Norway, Poland, South Korea, Sweden, the UK, and U.S. So I think originally it was UK, US, Canada, and Australia. I think it was like all their uh, English speaking territories, but could be mistaken on that. Um maybe South Korea was in there originally. I don't know. But they've expanded. I know there's some new ones in here. We got the the French and the 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 Danish and the and the Finnish all getting their opportunity to finance an Xbox. You too European Europeans, you could you could have the opportunity to finance an Xbox console. Doesn't that sound exciting? And our next one here is that The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt will get a free upgrade on Xbox Series X and PC for anyone that owns the game already. The technically enhanced version of the game will include faster load times, ray tracing, and other visual and technical improvements. The game will also include all DLC that's been released, and no you don't have to have the game of the year edition in order to get these perks. So, that's just another example of of what is it? Project Red, CD Project Red. Just being absurdly consumer friendly, they they're they seem to be really good. I, I still haven't played Witcher 3, excited for Cyberpunk, but those guys seem to really have a grasp on how to do things right. Good for them. Uh, the next one here is that Minecraft Dungeons second DLC, Creeping Winter is out now, and it includes the following. A new island with at least three new areas, new mobs, uh, new gear including armor, weapons, and artifacts, new NPCs, and, day- and daily trials. Next up, we've got, despite its relatively short lifespan so far, Microsoft Flight Simulator is already making headlines again, with a handful of impressive statistics to bolster for its launch. To date, Microsoft's Flight Simulator has had over a million unique unique pilots, who collectively have taken flight over 26 million times, and flown over 1 billion miles in total. Next, Dirt 5 has received another delay, and will now launch on November 6th for the Xbox One and on November 10th for the Xbox Series X/S. Next, during the digital Crunchyroll Expo, the anime streaming company announced that it's teaming up with Adult Swim to produce a 13-episode anime adaptation of Shenmue, and the series will indeed be executively produced by series creator Yu Suzuki. Good for them, good for all those Shenmue weebs. And finally, from IGN, Lords of the Fallen 2 is on its third developer, with the game now set to launch on next-gen consoles and PC. According to a press release by PC Games N, the sequel to Lords of Fa- Lords of the Fallen is now being helmed by a new studio called Hexworks, which is made up of veteran staff with AAA game development experience, as uh, as uh, as pulled from the um, as pulled from the reports, uh, and it, and it was op- and the studio was opened by publisher CI Games in uh, in uh, in Barcelona earlier this year. And that's going to do it for all of our news this week, guys. As always, we will wrap up the show now with uh, some closing segments, the new game releases of the week, as well as the Xbox Games of Gold. Now, Xbox Wire finally posted again with the with the new game posts, with the with the new games coming for the week so finally after a couple months of being absent here we go we're back with it there are 23 new games and we're already running pretty long so we will just speed run through these we got necromunda which is an under under cavern game about these women that uh live in like the, the, these mole people in this all-female society where they somehow all have really great hair and tattoos despite being mole people and then we've got kingdoms of amalur re-reckoning which i know a lot of you nerds are looking forward to playing and then we've got Okunoka Madness, which is a game where you play as a little weeby 2D sprite that hops around an environment. Then you got Party Hard 2, which is a game about partying really hard, it's so hard that you actually don't even party. It's about living above the influence. It's about saying no to drugs, saying no to premarital sex, and about finding yourself in the most challenging time in anyone's life, uh, your high school career. Next up, we got The Sims 4, Star Wars Journey to Batuu. Batuu is the planet in Star Wars where... um where uh, 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 that new Star Wars land at Disney World is located, so that's the only reason I give a shit about that. Really love Disney. And then we got Star Renegades coming to PC uh, on September 8th, and there's a lot of pixels here. Now we've got a Spark the Electric Jester. Two, I'm gonna have to look into this game. It looks kind of like a Sonic game. So I'm probably going to want to play that. Then we've got uh, Takotan, which uh, taco is Japanese for octopus. I'm actually not even making that up. I just know that. So Takotan is a octopus game. Um, and then Injection, Pi 23, no name, no number, is the dumbest name for a game. That's all I'll say about that. And then Chicken Madness is our next game. It is like Fall Guys, but with chickens. And then our next game here is called Golf Zero, where it actually involves zero golf. That's why it's called that. Next, we've got Car X Drift Racing Online. I'd recommend you play Forza. And next, we got The Outer Worlds, Peril of Gorgon. I can't believe this expansion's already out, but it's it's out now, actually. So go ahead and play that. It's on Game Pass. So just go ahead and enjoy a lot of free shit all the time. Thank you, Microsoft. Next, we got Shantae Risky's Revenge, Director's Cut. Always a new Shantae game to play. And then we got uh, D Leveled, which comes out September 10th. I like this game because I'm pretty sure it's not even a game, it looks like it's just a menu. Next, we got Disgaea 4 Complete Edition coming to PC. I don't know if any of those have ever been on Xbox, so of course not on Xbox right now. That sucks. It's on Game Pass for PC. Then we've got Winter Moon Tactics Club, which is one of those games you play if you're a weeb that likes Nintendo and likes uh, that. What is that game called? The, the game with all the Smash Bros characters, the Knights and Elves one. And then you got Hotshot Racing, which is a nice little racing game with uh, characters like Aston and Victor and Kiko. Next up, Vampire the Masquerade, Shadows of New York. Finally, that's coming out uh, where you play as a vampire in the Masquerade. And then we've got Tell Me Why Chapter Three, which wraps up the Tell Me Why series, of course on Game Pass, so you can get your fix on that. I've still got to play through episode two. And then we've got Minoria, um, which is this game where you play as this girl in a dungeon, but rather than her being tied up and trapped in a dungeon, she's actually the one doing the rescuing, although it is unclear at this time what exactly she's rescuing. She's just in a dungeon with a weapon. Good for her. Reactor X is our next game. It looks pretty old. It looks like something you played on a Nokia phone in 2004. Monster Blaster comes out on September 11th, which is a pretty, uh, th- uh, honestly, that's, Pretty tasteless day to be releasing a game, but so be it. And that's gonna do it for all of our new games of the week, you guys. Just remember that we also have our games with gold. If you're an Xbox Live subscriber, which I know you are, your games for the month of September are Tom Clancy's The Division, and then on September 16th through October 15th, you've got the Book of Unwritten Tales 2. And then for the first half of the month until the 15th, just a few days left to download it, guys. You got the Blob 2. And then lastly, Armed in Dangerous is available from September 16th through the 30th. So go ahead and download all those free games, guys. That's going to do it for our podcast this week. As always, I appreciate you listening. I'm very tired from talking to myself for two hours, but uh, that's that's something I'm willing to do for all of you because I'm just that good of a guy. Go ahead, subscribe to the show on... On iTunes or podcast services, and go over to YouTube and and leave comments, say vulgar, mean, disgusting, heinous things. Uh, uh, be like that new commenter that that asked if I love her. I don't know. You guys feel free to reach out to that commenter and tell her if you love her. I don't. I don't know. I think we should. Welcome our new commenters, regardless of how much uh, uh, they are like bots. You never know who someone really is. In fact, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask Keisha, our new commenter, for her social security number. We'll find out who she is then. So, thank you as always for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. And remember, until next time, power your dreams.